Welcome to the Mutual Audio Network, where imagination and listening combine. The following audio drama is rated G-Wiz, which means it's perfectly safe for folks and families of all ages to enjoy with Cheese Wiz. Uncle Nikolai and his cats were defeated, but his employers had sent a gunship to pick him up, and the pilots seemed determined to let us know they weren't happy about the situation. I'd seen the reflection of the gunship coming up on the lieutenant's faceplate, and then suddenly her arms were around me as she swung her armored body between me and the incoming fire. Two, get rid of that thing! I used all my talismans on the cats. I need time to prepare. Drop on count three. One, two, three! On cue, I dropped, and the lieutenant spun around with her twin heavy caliber handguns and opened fire on the gunship. Beside me, Karen was hunched down and frantically drawing magical runes onto a long white piece of paper. She paused long enough to give me a wink and a smile, and then stood back up again with the paper in her hand and blew on it like she was blowing a kiss. The paper flew out of her hands, turning into a bird made of fire that spread its wings and headed right for the gunship. I could only imagine how shocked the pilot was, and the gunship suddenly dropped away. Good work, too. You're most welcome. What if they come back? They will not. We need to get inside and check for casualties. If we're lucky, most of them got out of the car when the fight started. I'll bring Nikolai here. It seems that only the good do die young. The lieutenant's words proved correct. The people had evacuated to the other cars when the fight started above them. However, the engineer was almost frantic and quickly demanded that we get off his train at the earliest possible point. Taking him up on his kind offer, the lieutenant had us dropped off with the ambassador and his family at the next crossing. You are aware how I feel about walking? No, but we are aware you need more exercise. 
Zip it, you two. This is good. It will throw them off our trail for a while. Lawrence, get us a ride. What? Are you saying your charm isn't up to it? Fine. We will see if these provincial truck drivers have any taste. It seems they did have taste, for it wasn't long before we were on the move. A hop in the back of a truck to the nearest large town, a skip to a car rental place, and then a jump into a rented van to get on our way. I asked the lieutenant why she didn't just call Arclight and have them arrange our transport, as usual. Even in Arclight, people can be bought. There is no such thing as perfect secrecy, and we're being hunted by heavy hitters. Your uncle we left tied up on the train doesn't come cheap, and that gunship required official clearance to fly without being shot down. Whoever wants the ambassador dead, they have money to burn, and people with money can get anything, especially information. No, we'll stay off the grid. In fact, Miki, pull into that mountainside rest stop up ahead. I want to pull up the GPS tracker on this thing. And so it went. We stayed off the main highway and began to weave our way east through the Alps. It was slow going, and I kept nodding off. But each time I managed to get to sleep, the image of the gunship flashed into my head, and I started awake. I finally gave up and climbed into the empty front seat somewhere just before midnight, deciding to keep Mickey company. Is it just me, or is it getting colder? It must just be you. I don't feel anything. Where's the heat on this thing? Everything's in French. There, I think that's it. Ah, BTUs, I love you. <laughs> Does it feel nice? You look like a happy cat. So nice. You can't feel it? No, I don't feel the weather. My aura keeps me warm all the time. Guess they didn't want their soldiers getting cold. Oh. They told you, didn't they, Sue? Why I have these tattoos all over my body? A little. They said it was an experiment in your homeland. There was a man named Popper Gunn. He was a shaman from the north. When he came down into the territories, he told the local warlords he'd make them kings. He'd found a way to fuse runes to people the way Laurent does to other things. These tattoos are like circuits on the machine. They focus the energy my aura is always collecting and let me use it. Here, touch my arm. Oh, you're so warm. I never noticed. Everyone has an aura. You too, happy cat. But mine's special. It's like being wrapped in a battery. I feel the same whether it's hot or cold. When I use the energy, my tattoos glow because they're channeling that energy. Wow, that's so cool. I wish I had that. Really? Wish I could feel the heat from that heater right now. It's a bit like being numb all the time, eh? Even my sense of touch isn't so good. So, what happened to Papa Gunn? I heard government forces killed him when they attacked the camp. I didn't see much. I was too busy running away with my sisters. You got any sisters, Sung? Nope. No brothers, either. Just me and my parents. Lots of cousins, though. My mom came from a family of eight. But they were mostly in Korea, so I didn't see them much, except for my cousin Miri. Her dad's an ambassador like Mr. Kalsik, so they travel a lot. She came to see me a few times, and I guess she's kind of like my sister. Last year she came and spent the summer on our farm. It was great to have someone around who I could really talk to. Do you talk to your sisters much? Every day. I talk to them in heaven. Oh, Mickey, I'm so sorry.
Hey, don't be. It's just the way it is. At least my mum is taken care of. Arclight sends half of my money back to her each month. I hear she's a really big mama in the village now. Always tells them her daughter works overseas. I get letters from my cousins all the time. She uses the money to send them all to a good school. I guess it's all a balance, eh? I get the bad, but they get the good. So at the end of the day, it's all worth it. But, Mickey... Wake up, Lauren. Will you, Song? My arms are getting tired. It's time for her to drive. For some reason, I slept peacefully after that. Maybe it was because I realized how lucky I was. And even almost dying suddenly didn't seem so bad when I thought some good might come from all of this. The next thing I knew, it was morning, and Karen was tapping on the glass next to me. Wake up, petite quatre. Do you want to miss your breakfast? Where are we? It is a rest stop, oh, and a crowded one at that. Did they not know how many people would stop to eat here when they built this thing? Oh, the lines are barbaric. Hey, is that a Mickey D's over there? I didn't know that... Wow, look at that view. We're on the side of a mountain. How high up are we? I am sure there will be some gauche piece of tourist clutter to tell you inside. Now, hurry, child, or we will miss our food. The others have already gone in, and it is starting to snow. She was right. It was beginning to snow. And by the time we weaved our way through the parked cars and into the hub-like tourist food court, the air was filled with white flakes whirling everywhere. I was shocked we were in such a public place but it was explained to me that this was the only road across the border for some distance, and the only local source of gas. So there we were, hiding in plain sight. I couldn't take my eyes off the giant curved panorama window and its view of the mountains beyond, even though it was getting hard to see for the snow. I resolved there and then to bring my parents and come back there someday. I never did, of course, but that's all past now. As the meal was ending, they told me to take the ambassador's daughter to the restroom, and the rest of them headed out to warm up the car. I took Celine into the restroom, and was waiting for her to finish when I heard a burst of static on my comment. Four, code six. I repeat, code six. It took me a few seconds to register what that meant, and then I panicked. Celine, we've got to go. No, don't worry about that. Hurry up. I grabbed the girl's hand and ran out into the food court. The panorama window was pure white, like the worst blizzard I had ever seen. Then a voice whispered in my ear from nowhere. Duck. The car that came tumbling through the window continued its arc through the food court and smashed into a divider. I didn't know what to do. People were running everywhere. Suddenly, Celine and I were caught up in a crowd of frightened people trying to escape and I held her tight, trying to get close to a wall. Then the crowd hit the doors, and suddenly the storm was inside the food court as well, twice as strong as before, and everything was going white. I pulled us back through the washroom door, and looked for another way out. Lieutenant! Mickey! Karen! What's going on? For, for, are you safe? Yes! I'm in the rest stop washroom. Celine's here too. Oh, thank heaven. 
Listen to me, girl, and listen very carefully. This storm is not a natural one. There is someone controlling it through magic. Whoever they are, they have been watching us, and they attacked the lieutenant first. We have lost her, and I don't know where she is. What about you? Are you and Mickey okay? For the moment, yes. I am using my talismans to hold back some of the weather and protect the ambassador and his family, but it is taking a great deal of effort. Mickey has gone searching for our missing lieutenant. Two, what should I do? There is nothing you can do, girl. I cannot move, and until they play their card, we don't even know our options. Stay where you are, and pray for help, eh? I thought quickly. One of the advantages of growing up on the prairies in Canada is that you experience some major snowstorms and know how to deal with winter pretty well. You also know that rest stops are also where they keep the highway snowplows. I grabbed Celine and headed for the door. We ran through to the back of the rest stop, and after checking a few doors, we found the one that led to the garage. Big, heavy trucks. That's what we needed. The storm was strong enough to flip cars like toys, but a snowplow was no car. It was big, heavy, and might just have been enough to get us out of there. Two? Karen, can you read me? I think I've got a way to get us out of here. I'm going to use a snowplow to drive to get to you. My beautiful child, that is brilliant. Here is what we will do. I will make a light for you to follow and do my best to guide you to us. But be careful. There are other people out here. If you drive wrong, you may hurt some of them. Got it. I'll be careful. The keys were in the ignition, and I hit the button to open the garage doors. I'd never driven anything that big before, much less through a blizzard, but I didn't think I had much of a choice. Celine was shivering next to me, and I tried to reassure her before I turned the keys and stepped on the gas. Once we got outside, we saw Karen's light almost immediately, a beautiful blue flame flickering in the sea of white. I just kept the plow in low gear and slowly picked my way towards it, remembering her warning and trying to avoid the dark shapes of the lines of parked cars. We were about halfway when we felt the wind slam against the sides of the plow, first the left and then the right. It was like some great force was trying to pick up the huge truck. Twice I almost thought it was going to pick us up, but each time the truck settled back down and we continued our slow course. When we got to where the light was, it seemed to give up for the moment. Two, where are you? I can see the flame, but it's on top of a pile of snow. Oh, I know three says I have gained weight, but can you really call me that? Oh, how poor I am. No, Ketra, we are under that pile. I have been using my talismans as a bubble to hold back the weather. We can hear you and are ready to move. How is the weather now? Is it safe? Still lots of snow, but the wind seems to have settled down. Two? I think they're watching us. But of course they are. They will wait for their chance to strike the moment I let down my bubble. So what should we do? <laughs> what they do not know is that this bubble can move. I want you to drive up next to us, and then I will move the bubble to attack 
attached to your cab and we can all claim it. Okay. Moving slowly. And that's exactly what we did. I got us into position and Karen had the calcics in the cab of the truck with me in no time. Karen herself pausing to collect her talismans before slamming the door shut. Wet and useless. I think they're almost all gone. Ah, well, it was for a good cause, no? Where do we go now? I've been trying to reach the Lieutenant and Mickey, but there has been no answer. Perhaps we should leave and hope for the best. It might draw our opponents away from here and let them recover. If I remember right, the tunnel is not far ahead, and we can find shelter there. Okay, you're the boss. Which way is the road? That is the wrong question. The right one is which way is the cliff. We must drive very carefully and stay close to the mountainside if we don't want to be pushed off. Um, maybe we had better stay here. No, we will go. Do you want me to drive? Your hands seem to have lost all their blood. Can I drive? I don't want to think right now. I need something to do. (laughs) But of course. I will try to prepare our next move then. So we were off. I don't remember much of what came next. I was too busy focusing on keeping us next to the mountainside to remember. We slowly moved along up the road, making for the tunnel. And then, suddenly, everything cleared and the storm vanished into lightly falling snow. Hey! We're clear! Thank you, God! Uh, Do not thank him yet, Petit. I can feel the storm has been withdrawn, but it's because someone... No, some ones are gathering their strength near us. Brace yourselves! The wave of wind was like a fist, so strong it literally picked up the truck and threw us into the mountainside. I didn't even try to control the truck. I just slammed my foot on the brake and tried to hold on, more afraid of us driving off the cliffside than I was of anything else. And then... Just like the weather vanished, the pounding stopped. Are you okay, Petit? I... think so. Why did they stop? I think now is our chance to ask them. Look ahead. Twin motorcycles gleamed in the morning light. One blue, one black. Their drivers dressed in jumpsuits to match the bikes. The blue one stepped off his bike, and I could see he was short, not much taller than the ambassador's daughter. He stepped forward and pulled off his helmet to reveal the handsome smirk of a young Asian man, probably not much older than I was at the time. I had thought it might be them. Who? Fung and one. That is Fung ahead of us. The one in blue is one, his sister. Little monsters. They are masters of weather magic. Do you know them? Maybe we can talk to them? There is not much to talk of. They want the ambassador. It is simple. He's motioning for us to get out. Should we? We are like a turtle here. At least outside we can move. There is a chance. Karen, if anything happens, I want to thank you. For what? Everything. I've learned so much from you. You are welcome, Petit, but 
There is one more thing you must promise me before you open that door. What is it? No matter what happens, you are not able to shoot them. Do you understand? Fire warning shots, but do not hit. Our lives may depend on it. Uh, okay. I do not have time for explanations, but it is most important. Are you ready, then? I nodded, took a deep breath, and reached for the door handle. Team Iron Angel, Black Dawn of the Golden Age, Episode 3, Snowbound. Written and produced by Robin Patterson. Starring, in order of appearance... Amanda Price as the narrator and Sung Four. Elena as Stone One. Fiona Thrail as Laurent Two. Tegan Harris as Mickey Three. Opening music, Untitled by Peter Chan. Closing music, Cool Spies by Peter Chan. Find his work at soundclick.com. Sound effects provided by The Free Sounds Project, blindsounds.com, The Transformer Sound Effects Collection, and Axel of the VAA, The Voice Acting Alliance. Casting done at voiceactingalliance.com. This work and all its characters within are copyright 2007 Robin Patterson. This step into audio and adventure and others can be found at kungfuactiontheater.com, where theater is spelled with an R-E at the end because that's how it's done with style. Until next time, zaijen and bye-bye. From around the world, this is the Mutual Audio Network.